The Matt Hasselbeck Show. Presented by Infinity of Bellevue and Linwood. Seahawks legend Matt Hasselbeck takes you inside the Seahawks and the NFL for a full hour. Exclusively on the Mike Sox Show. Well, this is kind of different, Matt. We get you a day after a game with Pete Carroll's going to join us together at 930. How you doing this morning? Wow. How about that? I mean, Tuesday football's not all bad, I guess, right? Yeah, it's a little uh, yeah, four straight days of NFL football, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, <laughs> Hey, Tuesday. that's the thing. There's no, like, for people that do this, you know, like, it's your job to kind of study film and watch film. Like, your days just disappear, ironically, because it's Thursday night, Saturday night, there's a couple <laughs> games. You get the 1 p.m.s, the 4 p.m.s, the Sunday night football, Monday night football, a couple games on Tuesday. It's just, it's uh, it's fun, but it's kind of like, uh, don't you know I'm trying to Christmas shop here and I waited to the last minute? Hello. <laughs> What uh, I think a lot of people around Seattle were thinking about you yesterday. I know I was as uh, as the officials became a pretty common refrain uh, in watching that game and a frustrating call with the defensive holding and then probably an even more frustrating call with the lack of a P.I. I know you don't blame refs, but do you feel bad for a guy like D.J. Dallas in that spot? Yeah, I, I try. I try not to blame refs. Is like you, I, what I said is, as a parent, you know, my kids right. aren't allowed to get in the car and complain about refs. But yeah, listen, I, I think the officiating in the NFL has to get better. Like that's a fact. You know, I don't blame losses on on refs because they're people just like us, and it's an imperfect thing. It's never going to be perfect. But uh, I feel like, and I don't have anything to back this up other than just watching a lot of film. On Thanksgiving, the Dallas Cowboys, there was one player who got called for three or four. I think it was Anthony Brown. He got called for three or four. You know, just throw it up, balls underthrown, and we're throwing flags, and it just got a lot of attention. It got a lot of national attention. It was the Dallas Cowboys versus the Raiders, and I feel like from that moment on. On. the NFL officiating group did this thing and they do this sometimes where they send out a memo or they call their guys and they say hey listen we would like to de-emphasize that okay don't call that quite as much and I think since that Thursday night game we have seen underthrown passes that typically would be a you know, a spot foul, uh, DPI, and we, we see them like just holding their flags. Like they're not even like reaching for their flags. They're, they're just, they're just, nah, that was incomplete. It's almost like their boss told them, hey, it, I don't know if we really want to go that far. And I don't like when that happens midseason. We've seen things like that happen midseason where they emphasize or de-emphasize things and they don't, they don't, share that with us like they don't share that with anybody it doesn't seem and that's where that's when the criticism comes on them so i think more transparency maybe even some more education hey here's why we did throw this or here's why we didn't throw that or this is why this is a foul then then you'll get a, a little bit uh i don't know it's a, a little it's little a good less thought. anger well, I would agree with you because I don't necessarily think that should be called very often. I, I agree with de-emphasizing. It's not a very good throw, and you're rewarding the quarterback and the receiver for not doing what they're trying to do. So I don't mind them de-emphasizing it, but, I mean, you watch the NFL, and week after week they make that call. Yeah, well, I, I think a flag's a flag, and I would love to talk about, about that play if, if you ever want to, but because th there's a lot to learn from on that play and a lot to That fix. specific one, like the DJ that Dallas specific play or play, that type that, of play? Yeah. yeah, no, that specific right, well, play in it. that game. What would you see? Yeah, so, so basically, you know, that play is all set up. It's fourth and six, but why is it fourth and six? It's fourth and six because on third and inches, we jump off sides. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, third and inches, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to, 
you know, you're an artist as a quarterback. You do what you want to do, but a hard count in that situation, you know, that that's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. So a hard count in that situation caused your running back, Rashad Penny, to jump off sides. Like that, to, you know, I, I don't know. It's third and inches. Like, let's, let's just go. You don't need to do anything fancy. It's third and inches. So instead, now it's third and six, uh, third and five, I should say, you know, and, and, and basically, I think it was like a tackle for a loss or something. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it's fourth and six. We should never be in this situation. But, but we are, okay? And it's a good play call. DJ Dallas is open. The reason that he's not delivered a good pass is because Russell Wilson has the nose tackle in his face. The offensive line completely blow the communication in the pass protection. If you're going to completely miss a guy, this play this play can still work, but you cannot miss the guy that is lined up over the center. Like that can't be the guy you decide not to touch. And that's what happened, basically. The, the running back's open. The quarterback can't give him the ball because between the left guard, the center, the left tackle, like, they don't communicate. Like, they don't, they don't do their job. And so, so then, yeah, that now we're putting in the ref's hands because Russell does all he can do to give the running back a chance. And now we've put the, we put this in the ref's hands. So, like, to me, should have never been in this situation because we're where we were with third and one. And then, and then what made it way worse was the lack of composure afterwards. Mm-hmm. DJ Dallas has every right to be frustrated and upset, but I feel like this is like the lesson I'm teaching my kids now. So like, so, Hey, you never get to the Don't point the where you're going <laughs> to kick the ball. And we have seen that, unfortunately, whether like Seattle's not a bad team with penalties, but when they do have penalties, a lot of times they're like, it's nothing the opponent did. We jumped off sides by getting ourselves to jump off sides. We kicked a football out of frustration. We threw a shoe in Green Bay out of, <laughs> I don't know what, you know, a lack of composure. Like, it, we're doing all this stuff to ourselves, I, I, I think. And that, that's what's I, I both encouraging because it's super fixable, but it's also discouraging because it's like, we didn't really get beat. Like, we beat ourselves in a sense. I felt like, we bad. just didn't do it right i felt bad for dj dallas last night i I know you're not supposed to kick the ball i know that you're not but then he's like on the sideline he's still clearly furiously mad and i don't know if he's a guy with a temper as somebody with a temper i can understand what it would be like and there's just nothing you can do there's no outlet there's a camera everywhere i was on i was thinking (laughs) i was on a plane the other day flying down here to the bay area and i uh, had a full glass of water that I put on my little tray tables. I was eating some food and, of course, knew that I was going to do this and knocked it straight off, full glass of water all over my shoe, like all over my foot. And you're in a plane. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't you can't get up and get mad. My wife looks at me, sees the whole thing happen. She's like, you're not going to react? I'm like, well, I'm on a plane. Like, I want to react. I want to kick something, but I can't. And I, I, I do have, like, a level of sympathy for DJ Dallas in that spot. Of course. I mean, shoot. Like, even as a Seahawks fan, there's probably people out there that kick their own television. Never mind kick sure. football. I mean, it's frustrating. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, I think when you go back in, like, today, or if, I don't know, they've got such a short week, I don't even know if they get to coach off this film. But, you know, however they coach off this film, Basically, there's things and lessons that everyone can learn, you know, whether whether it's, you know, alignment, uh, you know, missed assignments, mental errors or just like things like this. Just a lot of self-inflicted wounds that that just, you know, like you're not that far from being 
from being better, but you just you can't do some of the stuff that we're doing to ourselves. Well, and then that becomes a really that's a good jumping off point, Matt, to a much bigger conversation. If they are not that far away, and yet you know your record is what it is. Do you view this as sort of a lost year where, hey, it just didn't go the right way and Russell was hurt, et cetera? Or do you view this as, okay, the team just isn't close enough, they're not good enough to overcome that stuff, this is an impetus to start to make some significant changes? That seems to be what, what Jody Allen has in front of her in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it's, uh, you know, first, I don't know how hurt Russ is. I mean, I keep, I've not heard that he's, you know, I know he had the finger thing, but uh, it seems like he has miraculous throws here and there. So, like, I, I don't know if it's uh, an injury. I, I think even before the injury, I think I've said it to you guys, I almost feel bad saying it because, like, there's such talent on the field. But, like, there's just something off about this offense just a little bit. You know, like the, the, the DK, I'll say that the Russell Wilson-Tyler Lockett connection is as good of a connection as you'll find in the NFL. But when it gets to the DK connection, like, something just missing you know like they're missing on hitches you know like at Snohomish High they can complete hitches you know like what why are you guys missing hitches why are you missing slants um fades like I, I you know what that's that's some of the stuff that's confusing something like needs to be better Do you mean because up. those plays don't require as much timing is that what you mean i'm just like you've been you're 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 two of the best in the world at what you do like how come you can't complete a hitch every time you know, like that, that, those are, those are the questions that I would have. And like, when you look at it, you know, there was a go ball late in the game where DK runs right by Jalen Ramsey, who was just guessing yep. on the play. He tried, he tried to, he tried to guess and, you know, squatted and DK runs right by him. It's pretty mathematical when you throw a go ball. You know, like it's, you complete that ball 42 to 44 yards from the line of scrimmage, five yards from the sideline. Like that in a, like first free access, that's where the ball should land. That ball lands at like 36 yards. And Russ does this like, he pumps to the right. There's no reason to pump. He kind of pumps to the little quick pump and then throws left and underthrows it. And I'm just scratching my head. I'm watching. I'm like, what? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because well, I think then most watch... people thought that was the finger, that, hey, he's always accurate on those balls. Maybe it's the finger. And, and I think that's I, yeah, been kind of the common I, assumption. I think, blaming, I think blaming the finger would be like people blaming stuff on Dak Prescott's calf injury. I just think it's a cop-out. So, like, I went back and watched the film because I'm like, I know you're good enough to hit this. Like, what what's going on? To me, it looks like Russell was completely surprised by the snap. It looks like he's up there. He does like a little dummy cadence to get a pre-snap look. And then all of a sudden he looks to the right, looks to the left. And then the ball's like snapped. Like he didn't call for it. The ball just got snapped on him. You know what I mean? So like there's something just out of sync like with everybody. And it's not always the same person. So like if you're the quarterback and you're not ready for the ball, and this is like a, a pretty rhythm throw, a go ball, you know, again, 42 to 44 yards from the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden the center snaps the ball on you, and, you know, I, you know that's it's just tough. And so it, people are going to sit there and say, like, oh, well, Russell's got to hit DK. True. Absolutely true. You guys make a lot of money. You should make that play. But if the center snaps the ball when you're not ready for the ball, that makes it very, very difficult to do your job the way you're supposed to do your job. So there's always just, like, little stuff like that. that this, this offense, like, I don't know if it just needs to – get back to basics and fundamentals on some stuff or or if they just got to do it like hey when you get the opportunity you got to do it but yeah. i just i feel like 
that's not something the Rams did. Like, you guys didn't get the snap orchestrated. To me, what it looks like, it looks like you didn't get the snap orchestrated when the quarterback called for the snap. And and those are, again, those are things that people in high school are doing. You know, that that's the stuff that's just got to get cleaned up. All right, hold that thought because I, I want to discuss that a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break because we're going to spend some extra time with Pete starting at 930. Uh, I want to understand how an offense kind of gets to the point it's at. We'll talk more with Matt Hasselbeck. Coming up next, Mike Salk Show with Matt and soon Pete here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to the Mike Salk Show. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Yeah, a little different this morning. We'll have Pete Carroll with me and Matt Hasselbeck coming up in 15 minutes. Looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, when's the last time you talked to Pete, Matt? Has it been a while? That's a really good question. It, it's been a long time. I uh, When I was out there in Seattle for the Ring of Honor, I did not uh, did not see him. So, uh, yeah, I don't even know. Maybe Monday Night Football the year before that. Uh, uh, but there was no fans. Maybe two years. It's a good, no, you know what it is? Here's the, here's the answer. When they were playing Washington last year, my son and I, uh, we were driving cross country from Tennessee to Boston, Massachusetts. We stopped at the University of Maryland to check out Maryland. They're kind of recruiting him for lacrosse. We just randomly, like, you know, stopped there. The next day, we're leaving our hotel. I come down out of the elevator, and there's nobody in this hotel. Nobody. Who do we run into? Pete Carroll and his bodyguard. <laughs> it was like, he's like, what are you doing here? Like, who, who told you we were here? I'm like, uh... What are you doing here? He's like, we play Washington tomorrow. I'm like, oh, uh, we're just, we just tried to drive to Boston, couldn't get all the way, stopped. It was super, super random. Actually, that just showed up in my uh, like little time hop thing. Like on this day uh, last year, that was a couple of days ago. Yeah. So, all right, we'll talk to Pete coming up here in about 10, 15 minutes. You were talking about the offense, Matt, and we may see this differently, but you know, sort of why it just seems off, why it just doesn't click. Is that you know, what does that tell you? Is it a my issue has been more that they they don't seem to have like a clear plan for what they want to be right. They're running the ball well last night, and then with they don't run a single running play in the second quarter, and then they start running it great in the third quarter, and then they get the ball with eleven minutes left and go to a two minute drill, throw it seven times and punt. Like I, I just get the sense that they're pulled in multiple directions at once. Yeah, that might be fair. You know, sometimes like just you know, I've talked about it before. As a, as if if you can make plays in uh, in a bunch of ways, it gets a little bit harder to focus in on what you want to do. Like sometimes as a three point shooter in basketball, you know, you're you're in a funk. Or it's just not like you're not in your rhythm. You're not feeling like you're in the zone. Like what do you do? You get back to the free throw line. You know, you start taking some twos instead of some threes. And like and that's what I feel like. There's been a few games where the Seahawks come out at halftime. You know, I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh game. I'm thinking about this game. And they look like this awesome team that they're supposed to be the first drive of the third quarter. And that's what I saw in this last game. I mean, it was the first run at seven yards. The second run at six yards. Then all of a sudden, a nine-yard run. But oops, penalty. But we stay on track because we're completing passes. DK catches the ball for nine. Swain breaks a tackle, goes for 25. Uh, you know, a curl routes. Like, it just, you know, with runs mixed in, but no negative plays. And, like, that, that to me is what this offense should be. Um, hitting open guys when they're open, being the aggressor up front because we're running the ball at you. We're not uh, hoping and praying you do something wrong. We're deciding. It's about us, not about you. And that's what I've seen in some of these like opening drives of the third quarters. But I 
don't see it enough. I don't see it a lot. And, and I'm sure it's super frustrating for them because they know how good they can be. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they're just they're not doing it consistently. Yeah, I, I think that that's really well said. And, and just this it makes me wonder, OK, you do that coming off the half when you have a chance to reset, as you just said. What happens next? Why, why do they get away from that? Is it is it the need to do more? Is it that you've got to vary things up and the other team adjusts? Like, no, that no, come from? I, to me, like this was like the perfect example of like, you know, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the answer goal, you know, Seattle in this game, you know, at the end of the half, they had a mm-hmm. two minute drive. They come down and they think they get a field goal. Yep. And, you know, so, you know, then they come back and they have this great drive in the third quarter. They go up 10 to three, like they're up, they're winning. They've got the momentum. They're doing everything right. And then the answer goal comes. The Rams hit cup for a 30, you know, he's good man coverage. I think it was a, you know, it was like an underthrown throw. He, he has a big throw. And then Sony Michelle has, has like a great explosive run where Seattle looked like they were misaligned on defense. You know, it just takes one play to kind of, be misaligned and give up a big play. And then shortly thereafter, they go four strong. You know, they're in the red zone. They go four strong to one side, and the young linebacker, 56, was slow coming over, and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, just they just had the answer goal. Like, they were just ready for it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, like so like all that momentum and all that good stuff that Seattle had going, bam, we're right back in it. It's a 10-10 game, and, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just kind of unfortunate. Yeah, it's interesting. It's funny you mentioned Jordan Brooks there because he, he got, was getting a lot of, of uh, positive vibes coming off this game. It does seem like their defense. Well, he's a great. He's a really. He's got. A, he's a player with a ton of potential. Like you see, right? he's big. He's physical. He's amazing against the run. He's really, really strong. But like they also they get scouting reports. You think Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford didn't spend the week thinking about like, all right, who's the young guy over there? Who's the person we're going to put stress on because we know that he hasn't had the experiences. Like he's one of those guys. They're going to basically find formations and quick decisions like that. It was a quick motion and they basically put Cooper Cup in between Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks and you know, to me, the way I'm seeing it, Jordan Brooks has to push strong. They have four receivers strong. It's usually a three by one. That was a four by one. He's got to push strong and make it tougher. And you know, they just sort of took advantage of a young player in in a zone coverage. And Cooper Cup's it really impressive. So, as good so, as they so where is that on the other side, Matt? I mean, I think some of the frustration from Seahawks fans is, okay, great, I understand that with the scouting report. Where is the Seahawks offense and and putting the stress? on a player that they can choose on the other side doing the same thing. I think it's a it's a little bit of a different style of offense because where they're trying to stress people is in that hard run game, in the play action game, in the naked bootleg game, and the opportunities the opportunities are there. Some some of the things it's just like, you know, some of the offense is like pick a side. And so you you either work these three guys on the right or these two guys on the left. And it just seems like every time Russell picks like you know, you have your choice as the quarterback. He'll pick these three guys on the right. They're all covered. And had he chose the guys on the left, like somebody's wide open. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of that third and four right after that, that touchdown by Cooper Cup, where he, he had he chosen Swain on the left, he's wide open on third and four. But he happened to choose right, which, you know, you're allowed to do that. You take your pick. 
uh, he happened to choose right. It wasn't there. And then all of a sudden he's running around. He throws up like a, a hope and a prayer. You got Moss type throw to Deeskridge. Mm-hmm. And like, that's essentially what this, this, uh, this year has been. It's been like just a bunch of unfortunate, like, ah, we picked wrong or, um, we had a blitz on when they had a screen or, or we had a screen on when they had man coverage. It's, it's like nothing seems to be going their way where in the past they used, used to be able to get, get some of these breaks. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It's great analysis, Matt. Really appreciate having you on and, and doing this throughout the year. We'll do it together with Pete Carroll. This will be new. It'll be unique. But we'll have Matt Hasselbeck and Pete Carroll reunited outside of a random Maryland hotel together next on the Mike Salk Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. The Pete Carroll Show. The first word from the Seahawks head coach every Monday at 930 with Mike Salk. Brought to you by Pizza Hut on 710 ESPN Seattle. Yeah, this will be kind of interesting today. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck hanging out. Pete Carroll going to join us, <clears throat> excuse me, in just a moment or two. Uh, so, yeah, we got a little, a little help with this interview, Matt. I'm sure you will uh, bring a little bit of, uh, what's the word, respect, I guess, to it. <laughs> what what it is. time is this interview taking place? I'm just curious. Is it well, any moment, 32? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. Pete's first year, I got me and lawyer Malloy got fined oh. for uh, being late to a meeting. We're sitting outside the special teams meeting, and then the team meeting was right yeah. after that. And we're, like, standing outside the door. But, like, I don't know. We, we just kind of missed fine. the fact. Yeah, and we got fined. So, well, uh, Pete, well, you can ask Pete about that yourself. Pete's here no. right now. Pete, good morning. Thanks for being with us. You're on with me and, and Matt Hasselbeck this morning. I can still find him. <laughs> that goes that goes forever. You can, you can once, you, once you're on the team and you're a findable dude, then you can get fined for the rest of your life. I, I oh, that just it was almost like uh, it was almost like the disappointment. Pete was like, uh, "Lawyer Matt, like you guys were going to be like my captains, like of all the people." He's like, "I'm not even mad at you. I'm just disappointed." And it was like, "No, please be mad. Please be mad. I'd rather you were mad than disappointed. Don't be disappointed. It's far worse." What's up, Matt? Hey, congratulations, man, for uh, recognition about the ring and all that stuff. That's awesome. Thank you. Salk asked me the last time that uh, I saw you or talked to you, and I couldn't recall. And then I was like, wait a sec. We were driving from Nashville, Tennessee to Boston. We couldn't get all the way to Boston. We needed to take a break and rest. And I decided two birds, one stone. We'll let my son check out the University of Maryland. And the next morning, we're walking out towards our car. And who do we run into? We run into... uh, I said Pete Carroll and his bodyguard, you know, so uh, it was more, more your security details, how I should have said it. Yeah, that was, that cool. was cool. That was fun. That was really fun. So what's, Coach, uh, what's up, Mike? Go well, what happened yesterday? Oh, man. God, we had, we had a chance to win that game. We, we were playing good enough to win the football game, keeping the score down. And uh, we there was a lot of things that, that we need to have happen uh, in playing those guys, and we were protecting, and we ran the ball uh, effectively enough, and uh, we had a shot, you know. And, and then there was just a couple opportunities that in the game, you know, we I, the games have been like this all year. They're so close that an opportunity here and there, whether it's a call or a mishandle of a ball or whatever, and it makes the difference in the game. You know, we 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 busted a a defense like the only time we've done it. I can't remember the last time this happened where we just really broke broke down on a on a call uh, during the movement of the the play and the the 40 yard the 39 yard run breaks out you know and that's just we've been playing so well and then so just little things happen in a game like that that magnified and unfortunately we we couldn't get the game one and, and uh, man we could have had one yesterday 
Yeah, Pete, you're, you're, I think you're mentioning the Sony Michelle run right after the uh, Cooper Cup's long catch on third and one, and then they scored shortly thereafter on the Cooper Cup. Kind of went four strong there, but the drive, but but the drive before that. You guys look so good offensively. I don't think people understand what really happens at halftime. But from my perspective as a player, and I'd like to hear your your thoughts on it, we come in at halftime, the coaches have a quick meeting, and then they say, hey, here's what we're going to do to start the second half. Yeah. And similar to, say, the Pittsburgh game this year, you guys in the second half came out penny seven yards, penny six yards, penny nine yards, had a penalty. DJ Dallas came in there, completed some hitches, DK – Freddie Swain made made somebody miss and went, went went like what is it about that emphasis or what do you guys do at halftime that is so good especially like in this game it seems like the plan was a really really good plan it was it was really clear that, that the couple things that we needed to go to and that they were laying off us and so we we were able to go right back to the runs we we were effective running the ball throughout the night and and uh, we didn't we, we ran it 19 times which we in a game like that you'd want to run it 30 times it was a tight game we didn't get to the the, the numbers also they were laying off us you know and so bang bang we t- we hit uh, Freddie on on a, on a great hitch that he breaks DK gets 10 we go back to DK and miss it but it was still there but that gave us the rhythm and think about that in that sequence we I don't even know if we got the third down you know, there might have been a third down in there, but we we just went first, second, first, second, first, second, and we went right down the field. And uh, that was it was a um, it was a beautiful illustration, like you're saying, of, of taking the command of the game. You know, we had the three points at halftime just before, and we go back out with the football and score. Man, that game should have flipped right there, and we really had the chance. And so it's hard for someone like me, who's not played or coached the game, obviously at the level that you guys are at. How does it go from the success, as you said, running it on first and second down like that to a drive to begin the fourth quarter where you throw it six or seven times before punting? Like, How does the run disappear like that? Uh, taking, just taking, trying to take advantage of the fact that you have run it. You know, we were play passing uh, for the most part in there, trying to, trying to take advantage. And what happened on our play passes, they, they did a better job of kind of getting it, making it muddy, which is what they try to do with their secondary play. And Russ wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't feel that he could get the ball in there enough to go for it. And and so there was, they did some nice jobs. And he, that happened, you know, he tried to see DK coming across, the backer got in the way, and then he had to move. And then and the next thing you know, we're throwing the ball away, you know. So uh, that, it was there for us, you know. And that's just mixing it, though, you know, Mike. And, it doesn't always. We don't just keep running the football. You know, you run the ball so that you can do all the rest of the game. And and uh, we were trying to take advantage of it, figuring that we had that. Pete, well, yeah, I know you. You know, you were quick to kind of shoot down. Hey, the DJ Dallas call, even though it was a terrible, terrible oh, call. Yeah. You were quick to shoot down. Like, hey, that one play didn't lose us the game. I mean, it, it certainly uh, was was egregious. But if you had to point to one play in the game, like, man, I wish we would have made this play offensively or defensively. What play would you point to? Yeah, I think I got four of them. You know, I, it isn't one play, unfortunately. But the the uh, the illegal the defensive holding call was a really was really a bad call. We we're just in two coverage. The corners just rerouting the wide receiver and knocked Cooper really good, and he kind of stumbled a little bit. And they just the official thought he knocked him down and said it was just a terrible you know play by the DB and called the penalty. That was a big one. That was third and twelve. Gave them life, and they scored on that drive. We missed DK on the bomb. That was he, he just smoked it down the sidelines, and we just underthrew the ball. And, and 
uh, and Ramsey gets back and makes a play on it. That that's a touchdown play. That would have been an explosive play in that game to change the change the, the whole feeling of it, you know. And and there's there's a couple more, man. It wasn't just one, um, but that's that's why it was such a frustrating game because we could have beat those guys. It's cool listening, by the way, just listening to you and Matt talk to each other. Pete Carroll, Matt Hasselbeck, both joining me here on the Mike Salk Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle. Um, you mentioned the deep throw. How did Russ play in general in this game? How healthy is he, and how is he playing? Well, we just he just missed uh, you know under threw a, a couple deep balls that could have helped us, and and uh, the one to DK for sure um, could have gotten there, you know, and and uh, the one he had a shot um, on, uh, you know, the one that he hits Tyler on we've seen for years on the scramble running across the thank you through to Eskridge also that's a play that we often hit you know and we, we convert on that that would have been down inside the 10 that was a big play and he makes he's on the dead run and he fires at 50 yards so it's it's, it's uh, you know it's not a high probability maybe but it is one that we've seen um, and I think Eskridge too another one I think there were some deep shots that we had a chance to make in the game and we got behind these guys and uh, we could have exploded um, on in those you know opportunities you know, his rushing attempts and his rushing yards per game are way down. I was looking there, about 14 yards per game, which is a little less than half of what he's averaged for his career. Is that by design as part of the offense and, and not having him do as much of the read option stuff anymore? Would you, is that a number you'd like to see go back up? Where is he at with the, the legs portion of his game? The uh, the, the read stuff is that people just sit on the quarterback and they make you hand the ball off. I mean, that's all part of the read. You know, they sit there, you hand it off, and then they fall in on the running back. And that's just, you know, everybody takes advantage of, or not advantage of it, but they, they, uh, they take account for us, you know, and don't let him run the football. He's looking on a number of plays in the game, but we don't do that as much because it isn't as, it is available, you know, so that's just something that, that defenses have, have evolved to. Um, you know, last night we, we protected pretty well. That was, a, that's why I say this was a game that we had a shot because we, we really protected well and had a chance, uh, to, to, to get the time we needed. They did a nice job of covering, which they've always done a nice job of, and, and uh, unfortunately we couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. You guys protected well, and then you got after the passer well. Uh, that those were, those were glaring things. You guys ran the ball really well. Um, you know, some of it was Matthew Stafford, who's having a great year, and Cooper Cup, who's having an even better year. Cooper Cup, I thought, was outstanding yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pete, my question, like, you know, you coach Troy Palomalu and and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, and I think one of the toughest things for me going up against guys like that was the disguise. You know, they disguised things. They made things gray. Um, but sometimes, and I feel this way about the Seahawks of the 2021 DBs, and hopefully I say this right, I feel like sometimes the disguise maybe is hurting them more than it's helping them you know they show that it's not two man it's two man or show that it's the you know i'm thinking specifically of the third and 12 uh play maybe early in the game like for you as a coach how do you balance having your dbs disguise versus hey i just want you to do your job and do your job effectively yeah you know matt the one you're talking about i think um, they're coming out from their their end zone it's like third and 14 whatever it was uh we jumped out of the hook i mean we just chase the back in the flat and, and when you do that the 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 cross the basic came across from one hook to the other and he was open and, and uh that wasn't disguised in that one i i don't i don't necessarily agree with you on that because you know we're we're not overdoing it you know we're, we're we're playing with a lot of depth and we're playing from deep to short we do that to help everybody help the corners and help everybody and it's made a big 
cha- uh, change in our explosive plays. You know, we're one of the top explosive play teams, yeah. run and pass in the league, and, we're, and that's why we're keeping the scores down, you know, because we're not allowing people to – but that's because we're playing deep to short. But I don't think that's the reason. Well, but, I, w- uh, I guess I'm talking more about the Stafford to Van Jefferson. It was a third and 12. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a whole shot on the left, you know. like Oh, the, uh, the, the one up the sidelines, the, the, yeah. the one he bombed up? Well, yeah. that yeah, that was just covered too, and, and we didn't keep sinking, you know, and, and – he got a whole step up, moved to the left, and threw it and chucked it, and we need to make the play. You know, we just need to make that play. It's a 50-yard play uh, on a scramble. But, you know, that, that honey hole thing can happen behind the corners really deep sometimes. The safety turned inside because there was a guy going down the middle, and then mm-hmm. and, and then he had, Google had to come on back across, and he didn't make it. You know, he didn't get there. And it was a great throw and a great play. And uh, Cooper, you know, did it again. I mean, he, that guy is playing out of this world football. He makes it look like it's so easy. Uh, he's just in command and control of so many different situations. Uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. He's really, really a good ball player. Yeah, Brock was talking last night about how they really designed so much of their offense around him and what he can do. That seems unique for for a wide receiver like him, no? Yeah, what I, what I and I had said to him too that it's it's more than you you're used to ever seeing, I and mean, I've never seen any team rely that much on a wide receiver in so many different aspects, and he can do all of it. Um, and I know that they noted in the broadcast because I saw some of it last night that his his blocking is exquisite blocking now. I mean, it, to, to, he's cutting off defensive linemen, and he's doing things that that you know few guys would even try to do, and he knows how to, when to, and gets it done somehow. You know, even with the different body size, he can still find a way to be resourceful. And he's a, he's a remarkable player. And the, the the bad thing for us is they know it. <laughs> and they're using him, and they don't care. Whether you like it or not, they're going to put, him, put the football to him. And, and sure enough, I think it was 13 targets again last night. Yeah, Pete, I, I think you're you're spot on with that. But he also, I feel like, plays above the X's and O's. You know, I'm thinking about yeah. the naked bootleg to the left where yep, yep. Carlos Dunlap knew what was going to happen. Like, oh, you guys are going to try to block me with Cooper Cup. He blows it up. The play is not there. And then Stafford still finds Cooper Cup, who didn't make the block on his play. And he, you know, he gets a gash on first and 10, and then they mm-hmm. score. I believe they scored right after that with the, the mm-hmm. next play with him on the linebacker uh, on the middle read. Yeah. Um, you know, just above the X's and O's, is there a way that you coach to that with with these guys? We we spent the entire week every every coverage we're in. Where is he? It was like where's Waldo because the ball was going wherever he was, and so guys in their zones were trying to move towards him. That was the one you mentioned on the four strong on the goal line that they hit him for the touchdown pass. Uh, you know, uh, Brooksy had to just keep coming all the way across the field because four guys were on one side. He was the weak side defender, and he had to get all the way there, and he didn't quite make it. We practiced it. He didn't quite get there. Their rhythm was better than ours. They, they, the chemistry is obvious between those two guys because they're both great players. It's like uh, Tyler and, and, and Russ. When those guys are out there, they're so, they're so far above the rest of the guys out there in, in their sense and feel that they make things happen and make it a little easy all the time. That's what they're doing, too. It's just two really great football players just syncing up, and uh, it, it didn't take them very long to get good. You know, it, it, it's a tough spot for me to ask this question because obviously they've had quite a bit of success together. But I think a lot of fans hear that and say, okay, yeah, with Tyler, obviously, but why hasn't the DK and Russell connection been able to establish that kind of chemistry 
Where are they at with their chemistry and, and finding ways to, to help each other on the field right now? Well, they're they're working at it. You know, we went to them a bunch of times last night, and we missed a little bit here. The throw wasn't there on the deep ball. There was a couple times, you know, ball got tipped away. Great defender made a couple nice plays on the football when the ball was right on the money, you know, and, and uh, they're, they're working at it. There's a difference, that, and, and Matt, maybe you can help these guys understand that there's a difference between the players, the, and, and Tyler has this remarkable sense of feel and, and spatial awareness that rarely happens. You know, maybe that was what Steve Largent was. You know, I would assume he understood all that kind of stuff. And the great players have this different level of, of awareness, and, and you can develop it, but a lot of it just kind of comes from just growing up and being a kid that just could figure it out way back when you were a little kid. I mean, you could see Tyler when he was in college. He was the best route runner in college football, and he had these plays happened. He was such a little guy that nobody gave him enough credit that he was going to be a great player. But he is. He's over and above, and, and uh, that sense and that awareness is very, very unique. You know, I've seen very few guys have it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me when we signed Big Mike Williams, your guy from uh, USC, kind of in the middle of training camp. I wasn't hitting him early. I was overthrowing him. And, Pete, you came to me and you gave me kind of a scouting report because you knew him better than anybody about, hey, uh, here's what you shouldn't do with this guy, but here's what you should do. And if you do these things, um, you know, you're going to be happy. Like you're going to like – you're going to really like him as a, as a wide receiver. Um, yeah. I'd, you, I'd like Matt, to – Matt, didn't yeah. you have – who did you have, uh, Ingram or something like that? Was that, was that your guy? Yeah, Bob, Bobby was my guy inside. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know what that's like. You had – he knew what you knew at the same time or even a little bit before, and he would show you, I'm here. You know, I'm sure here's this opportunity. I can slip behind this guy right here. And you got accustomed to finding him. And you, that, yeah. that's how that works. You know, and it's, a, it's a sixth sense about the game and, and uh, to, you know. To Sock's to Sox question, though, like you do see those two guys, like a great quarterback and a great receiver, missing on hitch routes, slant routes, um, you know, free access hitch routes, missing, incomplete. It's it's a head scratcher, um, and that that's where. You know, like sometimes people say, oh, the quarterback's not healthy. And I stand up and say, I don't know if I can say he's not healthy because I just saw one of the best third and ten throws I've ever seen to Tyler Lockett. But that's, uh, you know, that's that's what I think is uh, is so confusing about it. Yeah, uh, there was the, the – in the sequence when we had that good drive, Russ ripped one out to him and he threw it really hard. The guy was kind of – there was – guy was kind of close so he ripped it to his high and outside and he didn't you know the timing just wasn't quite quite right to connect on it um, i wish those guys could have hit that one you know might yeah. not have had to throw it as hard might have been able to you know make that that tough catch right there you know to, to make it happen but they're working at it you know they, and they're developing and they're you know they're a pretty dangerous pair we just got to keep going and and uh and, and hook up on the, if we hit the deep ball everything would have been different you would have thought the whole world was different you know but yeah. um, unfortunately we missed that one okay, can i ask uh, another question yeah, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, sorry, uh, Another no, question, please. Pete. I know I'd like never, to just be quiet and listen to uh, the two of you. This is well, awesome. I know you're never going to make an excuse, you know, publicly with like the uh, the the pass interference call that wasn't called at the end of the game. But can you explain to Salk and really to everybody, the and me even because I'm not exactly <laughs> an idiot sure. like Salk. Yes, please. But the mechanics 
uh, for a head coach in the NFL with the officiating crew, the mechanics of, uh, you know, you guys communicate maybe the day after the game and you, they say, hey, uh, we should have given you this one. We were wrong here. No, we stand by that call. Um, you're not complaining necessarily, but can you just explain the mechanics of how that goes down with, uh, with the head coach? Yeah, uh, man, let me take it just one step further. I'll get to that in a sec. The, the, there's a conversation that goes on as, as in pregame and, and as the game is is carrying on to, for the head coach and and the officials that you're you know you're trying to stay abreast of what's going on and how things are happening and kind of getting a sense for it and I'm talking to these guys the whole time and so they'll and I'm trying to develop a relationship so that they'll tell me things that'll help me understand what just took place, what I can anticipate, and, and how I can respond to that, and then you try to make use of it, you know. And so, um, you know, like I'm talking to those guys, so I get I get the explanation from them uh, for the most part whenever they're on my side, and I can and I can navigate that. That that's part of the the conversation, and then the conversation like you're asking about it extends through the early part of the week in, in post-game, you know, uh, kind of uh, portion of the of the week. And, and w- what we have a chance to do is we take a look at the plays. And I'm talking about them during the game. And then we, we take a look at the plays again. And the ones we think they can evaluate and, and give us a legitimate uh, response on, then we'll send to the league and we'll, we'll give them an explanation of what we think. We'll ask them what they see and then give us the interpretation. And, uh, I mean, we've been doing this for years. And, you know, all the way back to Jerry Seaman back in the day when, you know, those guys were, you know, it was totally different than it is now and there's been cycles of it they give us explanations of it and they'll tell us what they think and uh and that's a good it's it's a good process for us it's it's heartbreaking when they tell you that the call that they could have made and i don't know what they're going to say on this one you know i i I tell you how they generally go but uh you know they tell you yeah we should have called that one you know that's the game breaking call you know well those are those are crushers, and then I don't give them up. You know, I don't talk about that stuff. You know, I got to keep the relationship going and keep talking to these guys and keep learning from them and trying to compete to play the game. So that's an ongoing thing. You don't hear much from me about that stuff, but we we, we will send in stuff. They'll make an evaluation. They have a little team that does their their evaluations, and then they send us a written uh, response back. And and then sometimes we call, and sometimes I'll I'll pull the film out, and we'll go through the film, and we'll look at it, and, and we'll we'll debate it. You know, and and uh, I've had relationships with these guys for years. I think it's a very important part of the game for me to stay abreast and be able to do a good job with what i gotta do on a given game uh, like how many plays would you send in to get like you know obviously the fourth and sixth yeah, to dj Dallas yeah we'll send in like anywhere from about six to ten you know the uh, plays a game and, and some of this you know the the stuff that you would never see you would never know what that happened in the game you know because it's so you know just so simple and so just the quietest little thing but we want to know they're, how they're interpreting. We always want to know how they're going to call things because as they talk about the plays that, that are in question, they'll convey that hopefully, usually, to the crews as they go move forward because they learn stuff all the time. You know, there's things that happen, you know, and, and, and they, they can get better and we can get better and we try to work together to make the game better. Coach, we have just maybe another minute or so. You want a little bit of raves before, uh, before we go? Always. All right, here's a little bit cut five here of uh, I think what might have been my favorite play of the game. Stafford steps up, dumps it off underneath, ball is caught by Henderson. Oh, he is blasted. He is shoulder pads just hit by Taylor and just driven backwards on his wallet. Didn't wrap him up, didn't do anything, just ran into him and knocked him down after a three-yard game. That might not be the way you teach it, but that's a that's a pretty physical play. Yeah, that Darryl was big, that, that, yeah, it's a really good example, and people don't realize that how 
crucial this has become is shoulder punching. There's a, there's a, such a thing as now that we don't hit with our helmets, we don't lead with our helmets, we've learned to shoulder punch. And there's just this little strike that you can make with your shoulder and your forearm that is really powerful. And that was an illustration of what Daryl did right there. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a big hit. You're right. Pretty cool. All right, guys, uh, I wish we could keep going with this. Matt, um, I'm happy that you were here for this because it was awesome to listen to, but also I don't know if we're going to allow this again because now people <laughs> just want to get rid of me and have you interview Pete every week. So there's got to be a little protection of the old job here or else uh, I may lose this thing. I kind of need it to feed my family. But, we'll, we'll take uh, care coach, of you, Mike. We'll take care of you. You did a great job oh, good. in the middle of it all. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you. It. I'll come break down film for you. I'm really good at that. Matt, great to talk guys, to you. Guys, I appreciate it. the family, huh? Pete, keep doing what you're doing. You, right, you, I know I know what you are as a coach. Keep doing it. All right, man. See ya. All right, there you go. There is uh, Pete Carroll and Matt. Thank you to you as well. we got to get out of the way and make room for Jake and Stacy to have their reaction to the game. I know Jake was pretty upset about the officiating last night. We'll see where he is. Matt, we will talk next week. Have a great Christmas, man. Okay, Salk, enjoyed it, man. Thank you. I'm, and no pressure. I didn't have to rank anything this week. Whew, that's yes. nice. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna make you rank two things next week as, uh, <laughs> as uh, punishment for getting off easy. All right, well, have a, All right have that a was pretty holiday. awesome. You too, man. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Hopefully you guys did too. A pretty unique look at the way two guys who have worked together at this game see it uh, sometimes the same way and sometimes a little bit differently. That was pretty cool. Have a great holiday, everybody. I will talk to you guys Monday morning coming off the next game. We'll be ready to talk to Pete again. Stick around for Jake and Stacy next. Have a great, great holiday. Goodbye.